We're going to start the book of Titus tonight, and this is a book I've uh, referred to quite a few times, but I have not gone through this book verse by verse, and uh, not a real long book, just a few chapters, uh, but the content is remarkable to me. Uh, So if I were to ask you, what do you know about the book of Titus? Well, it may not have a whole lot of reference because there's not a lot of verses that you know, we'll go to, you might know Titus 3, 5, about works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us by the washing, regeneration, renewing the Holy Spirit. So there's some verses like that. But, uh, but this is one of those books that is, is really very powerful in that there is a key word throughout this book. And that's where I've referred to this in time past. It is the word work or works constantly throughout this book. Make sure you maintain good works. If you want to be a good minister or preacher, then you need to teach your people to maintain good works, etc. So this is going to be uh, one of the themes that... uh, So the other question is, what do we know about Titus, this man? Well, uh, we know Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are known as pastoral letters or epistles. So these two men, Timothy and Titus, were both pastors. Um, they would be called sometimes elders or bishops. Um, some see Titus as the archbishop of the island where he was at. And so, so we know a little bit about it. But he's kind of like, to me, he's a little bit like Elijah uh, and some other of the prophets. It's like all of a sudden they come on the scene. And nobody knows a thing about their background. Now, Timothy, we know a little bit about his background. Uh, we know a little bit about his father being a Gentile, his mom was a Jew, and mother and grandmother worked with him as a child. So we have verses like that. Uh, Titus, the only thing we know is he's a Gentile, through and through. Both sides, mom and dad, not a Jewish bone in this guy. Well, that is a little bit of what we see how he was being used as a pastor, Gentiles. And he was also, as we're going to see tonight, used as a Gentile. Uh, Paul, in his wisdom, knew exactly what he was doing. And we're going to see this in a couple of minutes, is that he thought, okay, I led this young man to the Lord, and now we have all these problems in Jerusalem with uh, Gentiles getting saved, and the Jews are thinking, oh, these guys have to start keeping some of the law. How are we going to take care of this? Oh, Titus. So we're going to see how this man was used by Paul in an incredible meeting, and probably why uh, he was he was there. You're in Titus, most likely. We're going to look at verse one. Paul, a servant of God. What a way to introduce an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. That might be a familiar verse to you also. But after due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me, according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace, from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
And Lord, as we look at your word tonight, bless the time and use it for your glory and honor. And as this letter opens up with grace, mercy, and peace that comes from you, Lord Jesus, and our Heavenly Father, may that also be our wish on others, our prayer for others, is that that would be on all of our lives as Christians. And Lord, we see this great book, and many of us have read it oft. Help us, Lord, to be able to uh, digest it, We're going to tear this thing apart. We're going to see, God, why you put this in your word. Why Titus? So that we can learn good things about the church and about our walk with you. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Very little is known about Titus. Don't know, have a lot of background. But what we do know is that he was a convert of the Apostle Paul and that he was a Gentile believer. You'll see that in verse number 2. This letter is given to Titus, my own son after the common faith. That common thought is is to all. Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. It's, It's to everyone. And so somewhere along the line, Titus and Paul connected. And uh, individuals like um, in, in the book of Philemon, you got Onesimus that Paul would have led to the Lord. So we have a lot of individuals that he personally uh, evangelized and then obviously would have discipled. Matter of fact, as we're going to see in the progress, uh, Titus was actually along on the mission field. So this man was really greatly used um, by the Lord. We, th- we know that he ministered with Paul and Silas. We'll see that on another night. And he was sent from Ephesus to Corinth to help the church and to deliver the letter from Paul to them. So again, he was sent from Ephesus on that mission trip to Corinth to help the church and to deliver the letter that Paul had for them. We know also that he was a leader used by Paul. Matter of fact, we would use a pastor or a bishop. And that he stayed with Paul until he left Paul in Rome to minister in Dalmatia. So here again we have a minister that was not stationary at one place, but moved from place to place, however was needed by Paul. So Paul would say, need you over here, need you over there. And these men were very flexible. And I'll, you, know, you almost can sense the areas that he would be sending them to was because of the, their being something in common with the people. That, and it wasn't because they knew him, but it was because um, he knew that they w- he would be able to connect with the people, and the people also will be able to connect uh, with him. Now we're going to go to the book of Galatians. You say, why are we going to Galatians? Well, we're going to see a few places, and we're going to build this, this uh, evening's mer- message um, about Titus and how God used him. So we're in Titus in chapter number 2. So we're going to learn a few things in verses 1 through 3 about him. Galatians 2, 1. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. You say, what's this all about? Mission trip. So we see Paul and we have Barnabas and now we have Titus. So this mission trip is underway, and you'll know that when 
Paul started on this mission trip, along with Peter and some of the ministry that he was involved with, that Gentiles started to get saved. Remember at the early book of Acts, you see in Jerusalem, uh, Peter, the apostles, reaching the Jewish community, and thousands of souls were getting saved. It was a wonderful thing that God, Jesus told them, you're not going to be a witness in Jerusalem only, but also Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Problem was, they were hanging out in Jerusalem, and they weren't branching out. So God, God uses Paul and Silas, Paul and Barnabas on different mission trips. But you'll see here, it is Paul and Barnabas, which would have been first missionary journey. So as they came back from this journey, um, and it's pretty close right away, and we'll go to the book of Acts in a couple of minutes, that there was a problem. They were sent out from Antioch, north of Jerusalem. It wasn't long until news came from the Jews there in Jerusalem. We have problems here. These Gentiles, who do they think they are just to come in? They have to convert. They have to become like Jews. They have to keep the law of Moses. They have to be circumcised. That was the big one, remember? Circumcision, such a huge thing. Now, for the Jew, it is huge. It was, it was a covenant that God had made with Abraham and his descendants that would separate the Jews from the Gentiles. It was an identification. And it was a seal of this promise. There was times they failed to do it. And they were corrected for it. And so this is a big thing for the Jewish community. Not so much the Gentiles. Matter of fact, you remember the Philistines were called the uncircumcised. So they saw it as a huge thing. It's as though they were separated. They were unholy. Because of that, that's the thought what separation means. It's a cutting away of the flesh. It's a cutting away to separate them from the lost world. So it's actually a picture of holiness, that it's a cutting away of the flesh, literally dissecting and cutting away. Well, in verse number 2, it says, And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, and privately to them which were of reputation, the notable people, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that, because of false brethren unawares, brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. The bondage was the Jewish bondage that Galatians reveals. And so there were Jews just kind of like sitting in a corner, hi, we're just here, you know, just privately coming in, just waiting to find something that they could pounce on and to condemn Paul and the ministry. That happens in churches all the time. They come in, oh, we're just here to be a blessing. And then they come in and after a little while, they're scoping, scoping, waiting to find something that they disagree with and pounce on it. Okay, so Paul had the same problem. And that problem was the Jews, and they're like, wait a minute, we found something. Titus. Titus didn't get circumcised. He's unholy, unworthy. And here Paul was using this man as a leader. That's just not right. And he, Paul said they were trying to take 
away and rip away our liberties. The liberty was established in Acts 15. That no Gentile is commanded to keep the law of Moses after they've received Jesus as Savior. And that's the liberty from the law. We're not bound by that covenant. We're not bound by that law. Matter of fact, the New Testament tells us that we need to have a circumcision made without hands. Something that is creating a holiness inside of us. And that is done by Jesus Christ when we got saved. So the Gentiles were getting saved. And Titus is around Paul, who is going into the synagogues, and he's uh, hanging around a lot of Jews. And Titus eh, pretty much is being asked, well, you know, maybe you ought to be circumcised. And Titus is like, ain't going to happen. <laughs> it is not going to happen. But it's not just because these guys are laughing, not just for the physical side of it. It's also for the principle I'm not doing this. I'm not becoming a Jew here, folks. And there's a stand I'm going to take. It's amazing when a person says, I'm not going to do something because others see it as holy, how they're condemned. Well, there's no law saying you have to do this in the New Testament. And so he's like, no. Now, Timothy on the other side was because he was trying to relate and to work with the, the, uh, the Jewish community, going into the synagogues. Well, that created a credibility for him as he reached out to, to the Jews. Paul, matter of fact, he's going through ceremonial things. He didn't want to offend the Jews, uh, the mills, as they are in Jerusalem. You understand, they keep the Sabbath. Why? Because they're in that region. They keep the feast. They celebrate right along with them. And it's not that that they do it as a Jew. They do it as one that looks at the feasts fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that at all. Now, for us in America, it would be a lot different for us. Um, not that we couldn't do it, but it's definitely uh, not understood, the traditions, how it's done. Uh, it was really a blessing when Lori and I were there and uh, we, were, we were with them. And we went, and it was wonderful that we could break away from the group um, of the tour and, and spend a night with them. And it was Friday night, and we had a chance to uh, share the Shabbat, the meal, with them. They did the whole singing, and they did all the everything. And we just sat and observed, and, and it was wonderful. And I could, you know, almost could tell they're like, now, you understand, this is what we do. And I'm like, listen, I'm here to judge. This is just beautiful. And I was, Lori and I both were very moved by that. It was a beautiful evening with them. Learned so much about their ministry while we were there. Wonderful people. So glad we're supporting them. And um, so, yeah, so they, they have to do that because that's who they're reaching. But if you try to put Jewish customs on top of the Gentiles, the dietary things, things like this, well, we're got, we've got issues here. And so this is what was happening with this early church. So look over with me to the book of Acts. That verse 1, when he took Barnabas along with Titus to Jerusalem, this is when it happened, Acts chapter 15. As the journey was taking place, on well, the missionary journey, uh, the last part of chapter 14, verse 27, the last part it says, 
how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. So, Gentiles are getting saved. Verse 1 of 15, Well, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So that means if after salvation there's no physical circumcision, you, you don't, you're not forgiven. Uh, you're not going to heaven. You've not been delivered from your sins. And so they began to teach this. Well, later on, in verse number 3, being brought on their way by the church, they passed through uh, Phoenicia and, and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and it caused great joy unto all the brethren. So everybody's happy. Yay, the Gentiles are getting saved. Yay, it's great. And when they were come to Jerusalem, pause. <laughs> this is, uh, you'll notice that the missionary trips that they went on did not start in Jerusalem but rather Antioch. That seems to be the church that was on fire for missions. Jerusalem was this. We're going to dictate and we're going to tell everybody how they're supposed to think, how they're supposed to do things, what they're allowed to, what they're not allowed to. We are going to dictate because we have a bunch of Jewish believers. And they love the law. And they were truly believers. But it wasn't enough just to believe. And they started to uh, push these issues of the law. Pushing upon not only themselves, but also on the Gentile believers. So, they're in Jerusalem. Uh, verse 4, when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. And they declared all the things that God had done with them. But, 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 but there arose certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it is needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. By the way, you can highlight and put right beside there, see the book of Galatians. And that will straighten this whole matter out because there were those still permeating uh, Asia Minor, uh, Galatia, uh, those regions where these churches were, and the push was go back to Judaism, go back to the law. God wasn't done with the law. He still wanted to dietary. I wasn't Jewish believer. I loved them. And uh, he says, you, you guys really have it all wrong. I'm like, why? He goes, your diet with all things, God never told you were, you were allowed to eat pork chops. You weren't, aren't allowed to eat all of these things that you are. You only think you can. I said, well, Timothy tells me that all things are made holy through prayer and the Word. He goes, there it is. It's, it's interpretation. We see that is God's Word has now approved us to be able to eat things outside of and he's saying no what he means by the word is go back under the law go back under what the word of god was in the old testament and god told you how to eat back then i'm like that's not what it means in the text he's saying everything is now okay for us it's blessed by god but they still want to keep taking us back under their restrictions now there's probably some things that we could learn with when it comes to diet you know, and how we eat and what we don't eat, because you know, I think there's a lot of things that we indulge with, things like that. Um, you know, I I can't have the 
be. Some of the meats that were, uh, were not permitted in the Old Testament. The shellfish, uh, the shrimp, and all those things that you all love, you know, those were dirty. You know, they weren't permitted. And, and me, I can't have shrimp. I get sores in my mouth, and I, I am allergic to uh, those things really bad. Matter of fact, um, I knew it when I had some iodine put in me for a test, and I started sneezing like crazy. And the, and the guy's going, are you okay? And I'm going, achoo, achoo, achoo. I mean, literally, it was like really obnoxious. And he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, well, obviously I'm having a reaction to what you just put in my body. And uh, so, okay, well, let's see how you get through this. You know, I was in the MRI for the whole veneers and, and vertigo and all that kind of stuff. For the, and I'm like, well, obviously I can't have that anymore. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I, and I understand that. But, but we, we do have to be wise, I think. But there's, there's not this law of what we can and cannot have. And that's what this, this chapter uh, gets into. So there, the circumcision, keep the law of Moses. That will be the dietary thing. The feasts, that will be all of the law of Moses from Exodus 20 the whole way through the book of Leviticus. Okay? We're to keep all of those. Well, there's a whole lot of problems with that. So guess who stands up? Verse 6. The apostles and elders came together to consider the matter. So they hadn't nailed this thing down, so they need to have this meeting. And when there had been much disputing, so they're back and forth. I'm sure the voices are starting to raise. They're quoting Old Testament, you know, because, you know, they didn't have the book of Romans yet. Okay, they didn't have a lot of these things that we can read. And so they're reading. And so guess who stands up? Peter. Why is it important that Peter starts the show here? I mean, they're debating, but Peter, I mean, you say, well, it's the Apostle Peter. He's an important one. You're right. If you'll remember, Galatians says, Peter is the Apostle to the Jews, while Paul was the Apostle to the Gentiles. So we have the authority, the Apostle, that preached the great message in Acts chapter number 2, thousands of souls get saved. So this man can get the ear of the people. This is the one that Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. He is the one that is absolutely a pillar when it comes to all of this. So Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know that how that God while ago, uh, excuse me, good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by the mouth, uh, my mouth, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So if you go back to Acts chapter number 10, it wasn't Paul, but it was Peter that God had given that vision of these unclean animals that were brought down, and God said, eat them. And Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, that's unholy, that's unclean stuff. And God said to Peter, do not call that which I have declared holy, don't call it unholy. And what he's talking about is the Gentiles who are going to believe. So he goes and leads Cornelius to the Lord in, in Acts chapter number 10. So Peter leads the first Gentile to the Lord. Ooh, why do you think God had that happen? It's amazing how it all relates. We would look at that and say, okay, you used him. No, no, it was... There's nothing by accident, folks. It's all a sequence to prove 
and to create a, a, a valid point of what Paul was doing, and he uses Peter. And so he has the audience. And Peter says, hey, I led him to the Lord. I've seen Gentiles believe, verse 8, and God. He doesn't say it's me. God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, even them the Holy Ghost, even as he did un, uh, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. So this is really neat. When in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost takes place, and the believers were receiving the Spirit of God, they were given the ability to speak in a foreign language, we call it speaking in tongues, to begin to witness to the other Jews in that community. Well, guess what God did to prove to them the Gentiles are getting the same thing. In front of the Jews, when they received the Spirit of God, they began to speak in tongues. And the Jews were like, this is evidence. They're doing the same thing that we are. Again, the sign gifts were always for the Jews to understand what God was doing in the lives. So the Gentiles were given the same Holy Spirit, the same measure, saved the same way, by faith, Everything was the exact same. That's what Peter is saying. We saw how the Spirit of God came upon them and what they were able to do. Verse 9. God, again, put no difference between us, the Jews, and them, the Gentiles. Notice this. Purifying their hearts by faith. I had this guy. He took uh, Romans uh, chapter 9. It's hilarious. People are so weird. They really are. I'm, it's just like, and so his his whole message, he was a hyper dispensationalist, and so what he said was Peter's message of the gospel and the gospel was different message than than Paul preached, because Peter would preach repentance, where Paul would not preach repentance, which is not true. I can show you verses that were. Paul also called for repentance. And so and they're and they're like, oh yeah, because Romans nine says that the Jews were saved through faith and the Gentiles by faith. Through and by are the two words. And see, they're 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 saved different. It's through faith versus by faith. These prepositional phrases you understand, I mean, we're, we're dealing with a passageway through, you know, by, it is, it is through. And the key is not the preposition, the key is faith. So I went over there and I said, oh, but guess what? Peter said it was by faith for the Jews and the Gentiles creating inequality. Oh, my word. He had our church divided over all of this. And, and then he said, well, since that's the case, Peter's writings were to the Jews, and so uh, uh, First, Second Peter are not for us. First, Second, Third John are not for us. Only Pauline letters are for us. And Hebrews is part of that because we believe that he wrote the book. And he says, so therefore, you don't see um, that the Gentile church is supposed to take communion that the Gentile church is not to be baptized, 
Because that's all extension from the Old Testament, and we're not even supposed to be participating in any of those things. So they take away all of the ordinances. They also taught that we don't even have to confess our sin as a Christian. Because it's all done. Because the only place you talk, it talks about that is 1 John in chapter 1, verse 9. And 1 John is not for us. I was preaching for 1 John 1, 9, and he yelled at me at the end of the service. He said, oh, I disagree with that message. I said, good. I called him later. He goes, we're not supposed to confess our sin. I said, uh, then don't. And he said, we're never coming back to this church. And I said, good. Because he was dividing everything. He wanted to take over. And a little grandma to change his diapers when he was little. They wanted him to be their pastor. And he wanted to take this, that place and put it right completely different doctrine. And this, this stuff is, is real. And, and it divides. And so this is what was happening here. There was about to be a huge division. And so he took what this guy was using to divide. And Peter was actually saying, see, it's the same. That all of us, and this is what God has been doing, that he has saved us all by faith, and it's common to all of us now. Verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 10. Now therefore, why tempt God? That's, by the way, that's serious language. That's not just something you, oh yeah, 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 you're tempting God. No, 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 this is, you're saying to God, uh-uh. And, and remember, we learned about that in 1 Corinthians in chapter 10 on Wednesdays, we read it in the book of Hebrews. You know, it's just like you're, you're, you're doing some issues against God. It's like you're fighting against Him and not yielding to Him. To put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples. He's calling these Gentiles disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, one who want to learn from Him. So they're putting this heavy yoke, this heavy burden to connect the new believer and connect them by this yoke with the law. You follow me? So the yoke is, is to tie two together. And so be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay. So he's saying if, we're, if these are going to be real disciples, they're going to get into this yoke and they're going to be connected and tied together. And on the other side is going to be the law. That they're going to, in their walk, they have to keep the law. They have to be connected with the law. And you're saying, why in the world are you doing that? You're tempting God. And here's the powerful part of the last part of verse number 10. Which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. And he's looking at these guys and, and thinking, you know the law. You know the law inside and out. And God knows your heart. Have you kept the law perfectly? Well, we were circumcised and we don't eat pork chops. Oh, the law was much more than that. There's sabbatical laws, traveling laws, how you treat one another laws. There's civil laws. The list goes on with law, 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 law. Have you kept every one of them to the crossing of every T and the dotting of every I? If not, how can you condemn these who are Gentiles when you, you haven't kept it yourself? And by the way, it's interesting. He says, neither did our fathers. It's really hard to find people in the Old Testament that kept 
even the Ten Commandments, let alone the rest of the law. Because usually when we think of the law of Moses, we're thinking of Ten Commandments. That's just that's like a capsule of it all. That's just part of the law. You got the feasts, you have the sacrifices, you have all of these things that had to be kept. And he says, neither did our fathers. It's hard pressed to find people that are called perfect in the Old Testament. Been one king called perfect. We have Enoch who walked with God. It was not because God took him. That's before the law, though. It's really hard. Well, you look at David. David keep the. Just think about the Ten Commandments. Did he keep them? No, not even close. Solomon? Nope. Heart went away from the Lord. He messed up when the first one. The list goes on when we see the Old Testament fathers and we realize they didn't, he was saying, they didn't keep it. So now we're going to get these Gentiles and and we're going to make these followers of Jesus Christ and we're going to say, you have to keep it perfectly though. You know what he's saying? Hypocrite. And that's what those who want to be under the law and all the strictness find themselves to be hypocrites. Does that sound familiar? Matthew 23, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says, hypocrites, call them a bunch of vipers. You have a lot of names that God called, called these guys. And there was no mercy at all. You know why? Because they were putting these oppressions upon the people. He says, but yet they're not going to use one finger to lift and to do any of it. They just do, do, do. But look at me because I'm perfect. The long prayers on the corners of the streets, you know, and all the outward apparel. And he said, yeah, you look like a, a, a tomb with this weight on the outside, but inside you got a bunch of dead men's bones. He says, that's what you are. Religious, beautiful on the outside. Inside God says, I know your heart. I know how corrupt you are. Why will we put them under this? We didn't keep it. Our fathers didn't bear it. So why will we do this? Verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved as Jews, even as they, Gentiles, saved the exact same way. Peter's approach. Then all the multitude kept silence. I would have too. It gave audience to Barnabas and Paul. Now, their side. Declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So they're saying, we are eyewitnesses. So Peter is saying, biblically, what we know of our fathers and ourselves, I am also a witness of a Gentile getting saved. Paul now and Barnabas give witness of the exact same thing. Sign gifts, verse 13, after they had held their peace, James answers, saying, Men, brethren, hearken or listen to me. Simeon has declared how God at the first had visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. Oh, now we're looking at Isaiah 11.10. He's quoting the Old Testament. And this I will return, will build again the tabernacle of the city which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up 
that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all of these things. Isaiah 54, 1 to 5. So Isaiah confirmed, which is the, it's like, Isaiah is like the gospel of the Old Testament. That Isaiah is saying, guess what? I'm prophesying Gentiles are going to be in. And when Jesus Christ came, peace on earth, goodwill toward the Jews. No, it says goodwill to everybody, all men. That's what Jesus, Jesus said, God so loved the world. So, he uses the Bible. Smart man. Uh, verse 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble them not. Just stop, stop doing this to them. Which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But now there are some things. These Gentiles are pretty gross people. So here's what I tell them. But that we write unto them that they do these things, that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication, you know, sexual immorality, and from things strangled that would keep the blood inside of the animal, and then from the blood, once it's spilt, that they wouldn't use that and drink and eat because that's all related to the uh, Gentile idolatry feasts that would be, and that's what he's saying, don't go back to the idolatry. So that's what we want you guys to do. It's interesting, the things that we as Gentiles, um, we talked about you know, Wednesday night about what is, a, what is an idol in America, and we, we learned a little bit from each other about what we're seeing and he says, flee you know, from idolatry, flee from idols. And they're in our day and age too. And there's certain things that we have to abstain and keep from so that we would not be involved with the actual practice as uh, some of the church at Corinth was involving themselves in. And he's saying, don't go there. And that is confirmed over and over again. Uh, uh, one of John's letters, he closes the whole thing down. My little children, keep yourselves from idols. And we are commanded over and over again to do that. So that is in the letters to the churches. And so all of this was done. Now, in this text, it doesn't say Titus was there. But Galatians tells us he was. So he's sitting over there. Why would Titus have been invited to this meeting We not only can tell you about Gentiles getting saved, we brought one. Right here he is. We got this man by the name of Titus, and not only he just gets saved, this man is on fire for God. You don't know him. None of the people even ever heard of this Gentile, Titus. But let me tell you what this, what's happening in this man's life. And how this is a witness of the Spirit of God entering into him. And many believe that Titus was brought to be an outward witness of what God was doing. So, this man Titus has been really used in a great way to be a connection 
between the Jewish believers, the Gentile believers, of what God can really do. Um, Titus was not a well-known man. Matter of fact, um, look, look with me to a second. Uh, I don't have a clock up there. I can preach all night. Oh, this is awesome. What time is it? 6.56. I got four minutes. Look at... Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8. It's going to start showing you the respect that Paul has for Titus. 2 Corinthians 8.23. I probably said the wrong verse. 23 is where we're at. He says, Whether any do inquire of Titus, in other words, you don't know this guy, um, but let me tell you about his credentials. He is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, church at Corinth. Or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. So Paul actually had to give a credibility to Titus in the eyes of the church here. At Corinth. So he wasn't well known, even in the churches. Who is Titus? Who is this guy? So Paul definitely gave his approval on him and his ministry, but also his leadership. By saying he's a partner of Paul, that's a big, big deal for the church. As I mentioned, uh, Titus also followed Paul and Silas on their mission trip after the meeting in Jerusalem. Um, Clark said this, I liked it, Every godly man seeks his happiness in God. Covetous man seeks that in his money which God alone can give. Therefore, this whole coveting of idolatry and what the Gentiles were known for, Titus was the one that said and is showing that God can save the most wicked sinner convert them from idolatry and set them free from it. Only God alone can change. And the whole Gentile nation, the nations back then who were just like us, the covetous, the idolatrous, that we talked about on Wednesday night, all that they were involved with, Titus is one that said, watch, God can take a man and change him. Just a couple of other thoughts for you before I let you go. Um, this man was uh, pastoring in Crete. It's now called C-A-N-D-I-A. It's an island if you go from, it's in the Mediterranean, so it's kind of west of the little island Cyprus where they first took the mission trip to. If you go west from there, you'll see this island. It's only an island of 140 miles long, 35 broad, not a huge one, a lot of little cities there, because it was known as having a hundred cities. So we have these little cities popping up all over this, this island. And that's why when you see one of the first things he talks about is ordain elders in every city. So this island known as the place of a hundred cities, he's like, get churches started and get the leadership established. And he became as some call him the bishop, the archbishop uh, of, uh, of all of that island. Um, 
trying to see what else I want to bring up. This island in this book, Titus, we're going to see it in chapter number one, was known for their philosophies. And he says it this way in, in the book of Titus. The Cretans, those who live on this island, are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. That's a reputation. <laughs> Jews from Crete were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.11. The island was visited by Paul on his voyage to Rome in Acts chapter 27. So here, Paul subsequently left Titus, Titus 1.5, and what he was there to do was establish elders. Some have supposed that it was the original home um, of, uh, I don't know if I'll pronounce it right, C-A-P-H-T-O-R-I-M, or Philistines. So some feel that they came from there. So these are really nasty people that came from there. And to close it all down, tradition tells us that Titus himself died a peaceable life in Crete and advanced in age and lived a long time and was here ministering uh, to these churches, going from church to church, establishing the leadership. Andrea, how long? Uh, how long are you, are you with us? Another week? Or you leave this week? One more week, you'll be with us. You know, we've got Andrea. We've got so many of our missionaries that we support, and we understand a little bit about missions from Paul's relationship with Titus. Primary point of Paul going out was not just to win people to Jesus. But as he won people to Christ, he had to stay long enough or have somebody stay there long enough until they could bring leaders up. And once they brought leaders up and they ordained the elders, guess what the missionary did? Okay, time for me to go. Time for me to leave and do the same thing at the next town, next city. And sometimes we think of masses of people in these churches. Probably not. Probably just a handful of people. Many of them were just meeting in homes. But they still had the same structure. They were still as much a local church as this is. It didn't matter if there was ten people. They were in God's sight a church. If two and three are gathered in my name, I am right there in the midst. He's not worrying about how many. But there still needed to be leadership. There had to be one who was teaching. There had to be one who was doing the, the administration and making sure that the widows were taken care of and that the doctrine was right. Because he gets into this whole thing, get ready because there's going to be people going to come in and they're going to try to distort the doctrine and you better be ready to defend the faith. And so these are the issues that Titus, and we're going to see some of them, Lord willing, in future weeks, some of the issues in chapter 1 that, uh, that Titus had to deal with. So here we have a man of God that was right there, a partner with the Apostle Paul, missionary at heart, establishing churches, ordaining elders, and there on this island until he was old and he died. And all that we know about him is right there. And yet his role was big enough in God's sight to mention this in the Bible. 
a man you didn't know a lot about, not mentioned a lot in the book of Acts, is Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas. But men like he and Luke were right there alongside and ministering. Even at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy, he's mentioned, and we'll see it later on. It's like, yeah, he's in Dalmatia now, and he's, he's not right here with me in Rome. We're going to see how Titus was the man, he was the man, that if there were some that one that could come to Paul, it was Titus. Because Titus would bring comfort to him. How about that to be said about you? And so this man, even though he's not well known, in God's sight he was, and greatly used. Sometimes I think we reach for these stars that we want to be the most known. But God knows. And God knows what you quietly do, the ministry that you quietly do that maybe others don't know about. God knows it. So keep it up. Be a Titus. Father, we thank you so much for the night. Thank you for the time and your word. Use it for your glory and for your honor. And we're going to thank you for Jesus' sake. Amen. You know, Nancy, this was kind of a teaching night. I think what we're going to do is just go ahead and uh, be dismissed. Folks, you have an incredible, wonderful week. Lord Wilma, see you on Wednesday and uh, be safe. I don't know if it's snowed at all out there, but uh, you'll have a good, good week. Thanks, Nancy. Okay.